This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. The following is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of our The Divine Assembly podcast. We're really excited and thrilled today to have Christine Stenquist here and um, talk to us a little bit about her experience um, being an advocate in the cannabis space and, and more. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. Thank you. One of my absolute heroes. So delighted to have you here, Christine. Let's give you maximum time. Um, Tell us a bit about your journey, please. Thank you for having me, Steve, always. Um, My name is Christine Stenquist, and um, a little bit about my story. It starts way back um, on my journey. In 1996, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, an acoustic neuroma, and it left me pretty bedridden and housebound for the past uh, 16 years, or first 16 years, on pharmaceutical drugs, a lot of failures, a lot of um, low, low, depressed, and and sad moments in my life. Um, I eventually uh, discovered cannabis and the the miracles that it held for me as a plant-based medicine and advocated in my state here in Utah to have some safe access to it. I did that for several years. And luckily, um, through hard work and community activism, and, and we got a, bill, a ballot initiative passed. Mm-hmm. That was a triumph. It really was. It's a tough state. Um, and after that journey, um, it, it had left me pretty depleted. Um, I had literally rolled out of bed and onto Capitol Hill and had been waging you know, an awareness campaign, a compassionate campaign for patients to have safe access, um, all the while sort of depleting my own needs. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it had eventually caught up with me. I had nothing left to give to community or to myself or to my family. And um, depression quickly mm-hmm. took hold. And um, I found myself one night um, battling with another chronic pain attack after visiting with a physician and finding that there was no new therapies for me. And um, I found myself sitting on a suicide hotline because it, it, I was it was really trapped in my uh, in my shame, in my sorrow, just this sort of cloud of self-loathing, that record player that we all play when we're in the you know, in the middle of our own self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And um, and I couldn't stop it. I knew the record player was going. I knew it was toxic for me. And I couldn't, I couldn't take it off and break it and stop. And, um, and I knew I needed help. And that's why I was sitting on that hotline. And waiting there, you know, you go through the whole prompts, you know, for somebody to, to get back to you. I get a prompt that I'm 17th in line. And we're sitting... 2.30 in the morning on a hotline, you don't want to see that you have to wait for right. 17 other people yeah. to get help. And I have no idea how their queue worked or how fast it worked. I just know I was disgusted. But before that, I screenshotted it because I was going to tell Steve. I was so mad. <laughs> I was going to tell him. Did, did they at least have good hold music? They had no music. Oh, that's no music. terrible. So you're just that. sitting there in that darkness of your the own silence, dark cloud, and you know, self-loathing. And anyway, I um, I hung up, and literally within a second, I, my phone dings, and I thought, oh, it's them, and it was my friend 
who runs a satire page here in Utah, and he's always sending me just these irreverent memes that should never see the light of day. <laughs> and they always give me such a chuckle. And um, I sent him my screenshot. And uh, he called me immediately, and he just sat there with me as I purged my, like I said, self-loathing and my darkness, or what I perceived to be that darkness at that moment. And he just held space for me. Uh-huh. And, um, and I finally worked through it after a couple of hours, and I said, I can't be, I gotta, I, I'm, not, I'm a doer. I can't just be like this. This has gone on for like 18 months of this depression. It's just kicking my ass. I can't do it anymore. And um, I looked up um, as a suggestion at least to get one of my migraines treated. Ketamine was a a hope. And it was something that the pain physician had suggested. And so I... um, I thought, well, let's at least treat one of my pain. I mean, if we can treat one thing that's going on with me, I can start mm-hmm. to tackle everything else. Right. And, you know, I was reading about it. He, my friend's still on the phone with me. We're talking about it. And I decide this is the plan. I'm going to see if this clinic's going to be open. I'm going to see how I can do something about it. And luckily, there was a cancellation. You know, I waited for sunrise. The cancellation came. I called my doctor. He called in a prescription. And... um I had my daughter come with me mm-hmm. um, as a trip sitter, to be very honest and very yeah. blunt, um, to just be there as somebody who is experienced with psychedelics and, and to come sit with me. And we went into the clinic. It was a very nice, beautiful setting. And they started the IV. I went in with really no expectations. I had been talking to myself and working on trying to get right. And so I was prepared with for nothing, just like just nothing. I, I had no expectations going in. Mm-hmm. And even my physician, I was, I'm his first patient that's had this. So we both kind of are like, you know, with hope or holding hands, jumping in right. kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, I, the IV started and I just let myself drift away and just, and, and that's actually what it felt like. I, a dissociative experience. And for Christine, the advocate, Mm-hmm. The Christine, the mom, the Christine, the daughter, the aunt, all these expectations that I had lived with all up to that point melted away. Wow. I just melted away. I wasn't really Christine for a moment. Mm -hmm. I was just distanced from all of the pain that I was feeling, all the anguish of what I perceived as mistakes or mistrust or whatever, all that just seemed to, to drift away. And um, slowly I kind of came back in and out of my own thoughts and I started processing in the middle of that. I started reflecting on all these people that I had crossed paths with and um, replaying, like we all do, that that scenario. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I wish I could replay it. Mm-hmm. But as that what thought was coming to me, there was also this other underlying thought and emotion I felt all the emotions about that person, the anger, the hate, the love, the appreciation, the bond, the mistrust, the deceit. Like I let myself in that space experience all those emotions. And at the other end of it, when I woke up from the medication 
first it was a beautiful thing to see my daughter across mm-hmm. the room. I bet. Because it was a bit of a rebirth. It was very symbolic for me to see my little one when my eyes opened. And the first thing I, the first message that I could really get out was acceptance and forgiveness. Just acceptance and forgiveness. Not only for what perceived wrongs I thought I had experienced in my life, but for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the most profound thing. Um, and that sent me on a journey. Absolutely sent me on a journey to discover more. To discover more about me. And I think I shortly afterwards contacted you. Um, yeah. I had told you what was happening, I think, a day after the treatment. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, look, I want to jump in with a couple of things. I mean, we're in the middle of a great narrative and I probably shouldn't interrupt, but um, fascinating. You know, you and I have shared many stages and I've heard you on many other stages. You just told the cannabis experience that was like a minute and a half of your story. And in that, you know, there are so many twists and turns. You were fighting huge adversaries. There was incredible deception and turnarounds yeah. and all uh you seem kind of at peace with that have you uh mm-hmm. i know i'm skipping away forward on the story have you have you let a lot of that go i have well you know you've been with me these past two years yeah. um i couldn't say so many people's names without breaking out in tears mm-hmm. it was it was so difficult um I have come to peace with a lot of it. it That's so beautiful. It wasn't just the ketamine. Um, I've journeyed into other psychedelics. Right, right. And it got me to that place. And so we'll we'll get there. Um, Okay, so we're going to have to cut this part of the interview because I'm trying to think what my other brilliant question was at this point. We're leaving this in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you were on the suicide hotline, which this is, you know, I've had suicide ideation. You know, it's a formative experience in my life. A brother committed suicide when I was quite young. You know, it's it's always fascinating and shocking to people because here you are on a very prominent stage. You just, you beat the Mormon church in Utah, which that, that's not a small task. You're just a hero to so many people, so many people looking up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think what people don't get is just the nonstop pressure that that puts on someone on that stage. It has been. Well, you've been a legislator, so you understand this. Um, You feel like you're championing for a lot of people, like you're Mm -hmm. you're trying to be a voice for so many people. And I, uh, when I showed up to the hill, to Capitol Hill, I I was just a patient with a cane, just taking a tour, trying to figure out how, who do I need to talk to, 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 to let you know that this cannabis prohibition is just kind of bullshit Mm -hmm. and we should maybe stop, (laughs) um, to being the face of something. You, you don't anticipate that and nobody puts you through a class on how to prepare for it. Right. And, and, and you, for me, and I can only speak for me. I hold that um, responsibility with a great deal of respect because uh, I know when I was searching, I wish there was somebody that had the answers. And I know how hard it is to struggle and fight out there yeah. and to go up against such powerful figures was terrifying. 
But there was no class to prepare you for what you did. I mean, maybe no. watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Aaron Brockovich, you know, mm-hmm. a few long shot stories like that. But, uh, you know, uh, I was one of the first people you came and talked with. And, uh, you, you know, I patted you on the head and that ain't going to happen in Utah, little lady. <laughs> and, uh, well, I think I might try anyway. And so here we are. Um, so, yeah, here we are. Uh, you, you did something monumental, huge. Uh, felt the burdens and pressure of that and then also just life you know you're still a patient and we're still a patient at that point with the you know everything that brings um and that was hard too is um when you get put into a sort of a spotlight position for me and and it was probably a bad choice on my part i hid a lot of my frailty i hid a lot of my weakness i wanted people to believe that I was strong and and that I was going to be there for them and to my own detriment. Oh, totally to your own detriment because I never got, you know, from you, I would ask things. I was, yep, we can do it. And I knew we were friends when I got that first text replying, I have a migraine, piss off, can't deal with your shit today. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it wasn't quite that, but, but, you know, no. That's a good friendship right there. Yeah, you carved out space like, no, not today. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and I didn't used to do that. Mm-hmm. I I felt like the movement, the message, everything was more important than me. Yeah. And um, I think we all kind of do that. Absolutely. And and for a chronic pain patient, it uh, it kills your spirituality. Mm-hmm. It just living like that and having all these expectations that you feel like you need to live up to, and and me living that very very public one. It did. It just it crushed me. I mean, there was nothing spiritual about me left. There was I was a shell of just words. I was just repeating words and just getting the message out. And um, it just robbed me. And you were in a negative loop. I mean, even telling the story, which the story, you know, that has been told elsewhere. And so, listeners, it is an amazing story. It needs to be told on the silver screen, but it has been told elsewhere. Look it up. Um, But so, you know, you were so damaged from that process that you would. I mean, you know, and this is something that I would tell you, others would tell you, Christine, this is a success. You got it. You did it. But yeah, you were kind of stuck in some of the, the traumas of the of getting there i didn't i and it wasn't i was even talking to the friend that sat on the phone with me um, a couple of days ago it wasn't till just very very recently um after several psilocybin um sacrament experiments with, for myself that i've actually believe that i accomplished something mm-hmm. it's really hard yeah you know yeah um and i'm glad that i've had the journey that i've had because I'm seeing things and feeling things I've never have before. Mm -hmm. And I want to share that with others too. Absolutely. I think that it's really easy to get stuck in that serving mode Mm -hmm. where you're just like head down, bulldoze ahead. And then you don't just stop doing that. So once anything is maybe even accomplished or something has ended, regardless of the result, you keep pushing. You're just, you have momentum. You just keep going and going and going until you just can't anymore. I think that, um, the closest thing I have to even sort of relate to that is just being a parent and just giving up everything 
of yourself, because that's what we're taught we're supposed to do. The the word selfless is not a word I like, um, especially when used in, in a, a way to describe someone like it's a good thing. I just think it's not. Um, but you just push and push and push and push. And then suddenly your kids are like teenagers and they like can make their own dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, but that's my job and I have to Where's do this my value? thing. And right. Wait, did I even do a good job? What, who even am I? What's going on? And I think anytime we put ourselves in a position of serving and mm-hmm. that's our sole focus, yeah. it's so difficult to just stop. It is. It really is. And it, it truly was an act of love for yeah. myself to even call the hotline, mm-hmm. to to even acknowledge to myself and be that vulnerable with myself. I was Absolutely. for so long, I had lied to myself that I was fine and I can be there for everybody and everyone, anyone who called or text or messaged, and then to stop responding on social media, mm-hmm. on the cell phone and just like, no. It's it's and it, it wasn't being selfish to do that. Right. It it was self preservation. Absolutely. Self care is not selfish. Exactly. Yeah. I mean this yeah. is the bit about securing your own oxygen mask on an mm-hmm. airplane. So you, you mm-hmm. are in a position to continue helping others. Absolutely. Yeah. So the ketamine experience was interesting. It it's it literally I as soon as I came out of the, the first experience, the acceptance and love um, my doctor, of course, immediately called, wanted to know how things were. I yeah. told him, I said, we need to seriously look into psychedelics for treatment for depression. I said, I've never taken an antidepressant. And as a chronic pain patient for 16 years plus, depression is just a part of chronic illness. Mm-hmm. It just is. I've never taken an antidepressant that, that did what that ketamine treatment did for me. Mm. It, I love it, that you have the relationship with your doctor, that there's the trust there, that your doctor was like immediately calling you, okay, let's, what was this? Mm-hmm. And before that, mm-hmm. yes, you want to do this? You got it. Yeah. So there's a trust there that you've built with that doctor. And I think some people have a hard time finding that connection with their providers. And there's a lot to that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's part of the Christine Stinquist fan club, as am I. Okay. <laughs> yes. As, as we all should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. But he was, he, um, he is now looking at this for treatment for his patients too. That's and, awesome. And it, and it is sometimes just that one person raising a voice saying, hey, yeah. we got to do something about this. <laughs> and he was a huge advocate and help on the cannabis uh, fight. We can, we can give, him, give his name, right? I think so. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Andy Talbot. Dr. Andrew Talbot up in Park City, phenomenal pain physician. But what I appreciate about this doctor, and I hope other physicians who do listen to the podcast do this, is look into these other therapies. These Mm -hmm. are these are viable therapies for patients and truth seekers. I mean, those those of us who have been caught up in the healthcare system, the pharmaceutical system, we need something more. And I love that ketamine started me on a journey to find psilocybin. Um, my first experience wasn't promising. My subsequential have been. Mm-hmm. I have discovered my art that was in me that I, I didn't even know I had there. I've discovered so much creativity. I've had a beautiful bonding experience with my adult children. I have a child that's on the spectrum, and he's 27. And um, he was the one that started me on the psilocybin journey after the ketamine treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, he's had a hard time bonding mm-hmm. with just people his entire life comes home one day and he went on this hike and he comes in and he's like I had the most spiritual experience on this hike and my daughter's like 
nobody has spiritual experiences on hikes. <laughs> what are you on? <laughs> like, and he's like, no. And he's and he's he's emotional. He's bonding. I feel him feeling. It yeah. is the it, any mom who's listening to this and has a child on the spectrum, or has any kind of disabled child that has a cognitive delay that has an inability to connect and bond. You yearn and you ache for those moments. And to see my 27-year-old boy hug me in a, in a relaxed manner, his limbs oh. were loose. And, and you could feel that this, this child of yours was actually, for the first time, feeling. Oh, that's gorgeous. And that's why I was like, uh, yeah, I'll do it with you. And he, yeah. I think two weeks later, him and I tripped and for six hours, it's in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm timing this, this podcast. We're in the middle of COVID and there's nowhere for us to be. We are housemates. We are COVID. He's part of my COVID clan. Mm-hmm. And we spend six hours. We build a bonfire. Both of us are migraine sufferers and um, cannabis patients. We use our medicine. We just It was just a beautiful experience that I had yearned for mm-hmm. and I got to have with this child of mine. And it started me on a continuous journey. I kept coming back to Steve. I'm like, this has been the most healing thing. I don't even, I know 2020 is not good for others, but oh my heavens. No, it's heaven. It's changed me. Yeah. It's absolutely changed me. I found connection where I had missed it. I yeah. had missed it for so long. I thought cannabis was healing me. It was relieving me of symptoms associated with my disease state, my condition, right. my illness. It was not healing the soul that was me, that had been <laughs> broken and was ailing from this, this body that was tormenting it for so long. And through discovering these psychedelics and bonding with with those around me and expressing genuine care and love has been so therapeutic i i just sometimes i'm just stunned there's not the right words yeah oh my gosh that's exactly it right 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 let's just all take a deep breath and we'll (sighs) that's yeah you can't put this stuff into words so what uh what did you find in your soul what did i find in my soul yeah I'm actually a very loving and happy person. I'm really quite delighted with life. I know that it comes with its torments, but that there's lessons on the other side of him. Mm. Um, it, I'm not afraid of dying. I wasn't, after my near-death experience on the operating table, I came through that with a just different sort of light. Um, this And you were in a coma for a week four or days, something? Yeah. And this just gave me... The psychedelics has given me that moment back, to be very honest. Whatever that experience was on the operating table and being in that coma, um, this brought me back to it. And I am not afraid to share it. I used to be so scared to share my near-death experience because it was so sacred to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody else to define it. It was my experience. It was my understanding of of this universe, of, of, you know, this perceived God. I understood it to be something this way. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm journeying into the psychedelics, I'm finding people I trust. I'm finding people who understand um, not changing hearts and minds, but expanding them. Because mm-hmm. that's really what I think I'm doing is, is expanding your mind. I don't want to change you. I just want you to see that there's more of you yeah. to be felt. And so I love that. 
inside my soul, I'm finding me. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that I talk to people all the time in our business about coaching people on how to talk about themselves, how to get comfortable in their own skin, in their business or not. And one of the things that I always come back to, and I do think that this is a realization that I have based on my own psychedelic experiences, but if you just listen to yourself, you already know the answers. But life is so noisy. Mm -hmm. The world is so loud that we don't even take the time to hear ourselves. And truly, that's where all the answers are. We already know the answer of the decision that we need to make. We just have to trust ourselves. Agreed. Well, I love how psychedelics can help us reclaim experiences. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, Christine, you had this tremendous political victory. Um, You know, I was I spent 16 years in the legislature and I think I had one victory that might compare to that, you know, on LGBTQ Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you just came up and made it happen. I mean, such a tremendous lift. You didn't even see that as a victory until, you know, psychedelics helped you see it for what it truly was. You yeah. went back, you saw your, you know, brain tumor, your 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 coma. And that's kind of what I love about this stuff is we can look backwards and just see things in a truer light, mm-hmm. not through some shitty narrative we created in our in our brains that are abusing us. Yes. Yeah. And that's truly what it is, the brain abusing us. And I think it's the programming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we just are, are, and that's what I needed to stop. Is I, I needed all these expectations to stop, and that's it gave a pause, you know, and it stripped the facade of what I perceived to be important. Mm-hmm. It stripped it all back. It boiled down to me, and then from me, it went to my children, and then from there, it went out to the community and everything else. And um, yeah, that was that was the most important thing. Um, and then it just discovering that. We're part of a bigger universe, even mm-hmm. though when our poor little minds try to conceive. Yeah. Um, the nice and beautiful thing is being part of that energy and finding others that you recognize their energy immediately. You vibrate and you're like, I, I get you. Are we, are we approaching the God talk yeah. I love so much? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. But that's, that's what's happened is I, I, I have tapped into that vibration mm-hmm. and um, it's delightful, and I'm a little drunk on it. <laughs> right. I like yeah. I like that feeling, and I want to be in that space, and I want to be around those who are in that space, yeah. and yeah. or who are learning or got or yeah. yearning to mm-hmm. find that space. Because there's so many of us now that are with 2020 happening. They're like, there's got to be more. Oh my gosh, that yeah. that's one of the things I love absolutely the most is being in ceremony, meeting different people there, being with people I already have loved for so long, getting to know them better. I just don't meet people. You know, why are you here in your ceremony? Well, I'm here so I can screw over someone better in a real estate deal. You, know, you, just, <laughs> yeah. you just don't get that. I mean, no. you get people. I'm here to heal. I'm here to mm-hmm. be a better person, be a better parent, be a better spouse, be a better friend. Yes, and that's what I'm really finding with it. For me, it was. To be a better me was meant to be, to love me again. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you imagine all this time I did not see what I had accomplished because I didn't love me. And that started with some deep-seated childhood traumas that I had to come to terms with, dealing with my own shame, dealing Mm -hmm. with my own fear. And then coming on the other side of it and going, oh, 
I really like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind yeah. of a fun person. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't like me because we're not everybody's cup of tea and right. that's okay. Because I like me enough for a lot of people. <laughs> I do. That's kind exactly. of it. And, and if I annoy you, oh, well, scroll up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Keep moving. Oh, I yeah. love it. That's fantastic. Um, any any parting, parting words of wisdom? I think if people are curious, there's no better time. Don't wait. Don't wait for the for whatever cosmic thing needs to be lined up in your life because this calls to you. And mm-hmm. if you're hearing this podcast and if you're hearing these words and you're you're searching for it, there's a reason. The universe wants you to jump in feet first. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christine, for being with us today. It was awesome. I was super excited to have you on and hear your story and watching your progression, even just from a little bit to, to, um, apart, is has been amazing to watch your emotional um, evolution in your own process. It's been it's been fantastic to watch, and thank you for allowing it. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.